Welcome back to the Midweek Debrief Season 2. I'm Jasper and I ride a black Triumph Scrambler 900. Here's how it sounds. I'm Jed and I ride a straight pipe Triumph Bonneville. Here's how it sounds. Join us each week as we catch up, discuss the latest headlines in the biking world, tackle a topic and answer your questions. We also have some exciting guest interviews lined up for this season, so stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Motone Customs. If you're like us and you're always looking for the next custom part for your bike, Motone has loads on offer, from headlight to taillight and everything in between. With daily worldwide dispatch, Motone are here to cater for all your custom needs. Check out what's on offer at www.motone.co.uk. Welcome back, everyone, to season two. Thanks for joining us as we uh, catch up on our weekly debrief. Hey, guys. Yeah, so we've had a bit of time off from the pod, not from life, but it's great to be back. We asked for a bit of your feedback at the end of last season. and We got some really good stuff. So um, we're back better than ever. One of the really exciting things to mention is that we've got Moton on as a sponsor. Shout out to them for all our custom parts. So plans for the season. We've got some, we've listened to your feedback. We've got some exciting things to mention. We're yep. going to keep going with our topics. We've got some exciting guests coming on. We do. A whole variety of guests from business owners to photographers and some online personalities. So yeah, stay tuned for, for that stuff. And um, yeah, thanks for listening. So let's catch up. Let's catch up. How have you been? I've been good. Do you know, it's been, uh, it's been strange not doing this every week. I mean, we've still had our catch-ups in between, but not sharing it with an audience has been, it's been weird. It's almost become part of our lives. I know, you get used to being in front of the microphone and then it gets taken away from you and yeah. it's funny, isn't it? But, you know, um, the break was good, been busy, just non-stop. And you were also, almost straight after we finished season one, you were quite busy off in uh, Morocco. Yeah, so I bolted off to Morocco, flew into Marrakesh and went riding for a week through the desert. It so looked <coughs> insane. It was fantastic. We were on, there were 10 of us on the trip. We were all on KTM 450 EXEs, which is basically the Enduro model of the KTM. Yep. The 450 is the largest engine they do in that capacity, in that frame. Um, definitely the perfect bike for desert riding, riding in the sand generally. It was funny because I got so used to riding in salty, wet conditions yeah. here. And then you land in the Saharan heat and it must be surreal you have to readjust to suddenly being on dry ground yeah so there but then obviously it's off road and so it is different anyway but it was just so nice to be in the sun blue sky every day longer days yeah so in the winter there it only gets dark at about 8 p.m wow which is quite late actually for those of you who don't know i was riding we started marrakesh we took a five-hour transfer over to wazazat where we started the tour which it was a really cool little place. Had all the bikes waiting for us. Day one, hopped on. Each bike had its own GPS. And it's interesting because you can't really ride in a group yeah. in, in that kind of landscape. So dusty. It's just, there's too much dust. And so what it means is that even if you're like one minute behind someone, you're still in their dust. Wow. Because they have the, um, the dust there is, what's it called? It's called fesh fesh. Oh, okay. And fesh fesh is basically like the finest dust that exists naturally on the planet. Like powder almost. It's like cement powder. And so what it means is you'd be cruising along and then 
you'll hit these patches they, they might have little divots or little holes or whatever where fesh fesh is sitting because yeah. often you might be in a dry riverbed or lake bed and it goes poof and it just clouds open it's like hitting a bag of open cement wow that's that's bizarre yeah it's really interesting so every bite had a gps we had to ride like maybe five minutes five ten minutes yeah. gap between each person and then averaging maybe eight hours a day on the bike and uh just cruising it's a lot of time in the saddle but also the scenery the the diversity of the scenery just looked incredible it was you'd go from sort of this barren open landscape into dunes and it just looked it looked surreal it was amazing we had there was a complete variety of landscape it was all dry and dusty there was actually a bit of snow was there so if anyone's planning to go to morocco in january february time it is not warm i packed everything i would wear in the summer i didn't pack anything warm so like jer- motocross jerseys sort motocross of. jerseys no base layers nothing just i expected it to be roasting hot i thought it'd be too hot on the bike actually yeah and, and we arrived and it was freezing it was literally like below zero degrees every night so it was just the same as here really but just very dry yeah so uh we were we were we were very cold in the mornings so what we do is we wake up we'd go out and we'd Within five minutes of the ride, everyone had stopped because they're warming their hands on the engine casing because it's that you lose all sensation in your hands and they're like throbbing. So, yeah, I didn't bring any winter gloves. I was missing my heated grips big time, put it that way. But anyway, it was a fantastic trip. No one had an injury, which was fantastic because there were times where it felt incredibly dangerous, but it was extremely fun. That's always good to hear when you come back all in one piece. But speaking of not crashing, what did I do on the second day? I was then back in London. I gone and crashed my bike so for all of those of you that are worried don't worry it wasn't the scrambler it was the mutt which is my second bike which is the beta bike i was cruising i was in hammersmith if anyone knows hammersmith it's got one massive roundabout that goes in the center there's all these buildings and the tube and stuff yeah it's wide tarmac they just re-tarmacked it literally four weeks ago i was coming back from the gym first thing in the morning it's about 8 a.m we've got piles of pedestrians on either side waiting to cross on one of the corners mm. i come in i load up the front forks i go and bed it down into the corner and I lose the front end spins away you from just me can't do anything. slides for five ten okay. meters jeans ripped open uh, i was so embarrassing there were people on the side of the road screaming some people are oh, you okay uh, it's just so embarrassing pick the bike up before i even looked whether it was okay or whether this, i just start the engine fucking rode off and i was like i'm out of here yeah no it it's was, it's it's not good for your ego. No. But thankfully, you were, you were 90% okay. Indeed, I was. Indeed, I That's was. That's the main thing. But and one thing that we can take from this is knobbly tyres on the road, if they're cheap knobblies, they are rubbish. Yeah, they are. And mine are, they're made by Kenda. I don't know where they're based. I've had the tyres on for ages. I haven't really had any problems with it. Yeah. But I think one thing that's really interesting is that when you haven't had a crash for ages, your riding, get you get more and more and more confident. Yeah. And you push the limits. And with this one, I practically still had the choke still on the bike. So it wasn't warm. No. I'd only been riding for a minute. And there I am all cocky riding into the corner. And it's just down I went. Cold so tires, cold tarmac. And it's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. And at this time of the year, we were discussing it the other day. It's like, you can't really tell if the ground is wet or dry at some points. It's just like yeah. generally quite greasy. I have to almost check my tires just to see while I'm riding what the road conditions are like. Because it looks, the tarmac looks darker. It looks slick. Yeah, it does. But it's dry on the tires, yeah. which is odd. It's really weird, and you might notice that sometimes you'll get you'll get home, and if you look at the tires, they can look a bit blotchy, like they yeah. look like there are bits that look oily, and so you've got to be really careful. But on the subject of it being of the weather being terrible, the days are getting longer. They are getting and longer, and spring feels like it's it's in sight. Well, 
uh, it's been a really sunny week actually this week. It's been and, beautiful. Uh, I had the one day I think I was riding back just after meeting you, Central London, and I had my yellow tinted goggles on, and the sunshine was shining off the buildings in Central London. It just looked like summer. It, I had that same view through the goggles that I did in the peak of summer at probably about eight p.m. But this was ten in the morning, eleven in the morning. So oh. it just got me excited. Yeah, because you forget, don't you, that in the winter the sun just sits so low it comes up and it doesn't come up very far no. it just stops whereas now it's getting higher and higher, higher and higher, higher. And so that the angle of light is different and it feels fresh yeah and so yeah we're here for it yeah and, so, and so are the cameras absolutely so, happy days um one quick thing to mention while we've been having a break is that i sold a set of wheels for my scrambler yes so everyone knows by now but i've got this scrambler that i've been breaking up because i had a crash about four months ago and so i sold a set of wheels and the guy who turned up, turns up in this tradie van, really nice guy, he goes, you on Instagram? And anyway, we had this really good chat and he, I think he was a listener of the pod. And so it's just really cool to meet people. And it shows that the biking community, even in a big city like London, is still quite small. It is, yeah. It's, um, I've had a couple of occasions where I've had people sort of come up to me and be like, I recognise your bike from, from Instagram or I recognise you. Or, mm. And it just shows that, yeah, like you said, the biking community feels large, but is actually very small. And I think it's quite good to have that tight-knit community feel to it 100 percent. it's so nice where everyone supports each other and it's just just good no it is now while i was away and we had this break i let my pile of mcn newsletters stack up oh so we've got some good news to so share. we've got some juicy headlines they're not that juicy but in the world of biking they are okay so the first thing to mention is kawasaki have announced that the zx4r aka the screen machine is going to be brought into production this, I saw this, and uh, as soon as it popped up on my feed or wherever I saw it, I got excited. This is this is a major move from a major manufacturer. It is. This is a bold move. When every manufacturer has been saying, oh yeah, we've got that inline four, let's make it a 700cc parallel twin. Exactly. This is some, It's the opposite move. I'm almost trying to think when the last inline four, 400 was released. 90s. It's got to be. 90s. Honda maybe. Yeah, I reckon. I mean, I don't know. And that's that just shows, shows we, we yeah. don't know. So it's 400 cc's. It's an inline four. Guess how much horsepower it has. I'm going to say 85. Okay, 79. 79. Okay, what's Now, I think that's quite a lot. That is, that's a considerable amount. For a 400 cc bike, and also it won't be exact, it'll be like 395. Yeah, know, whatever it is, yeah. I think that's really impressive. That is really good. It'll be so light. Oh, yeah, it weighs 180 kilos. Oh, or maybe it's even less than that. I, I can't quite remember. But I think it's really interesting. What I think is cool about it is that, okay, so you, you'll have some people that will buy it and just ride it, whatever, and you'll hear these things, especially on summer yeah. nights, revving. <laughs> so like 18,000 RPOs would be amazing, especially when pipes get put on that. How is that not going to be legal? I don't know. But what I'm excited for is someone will take the fairings, strip them off, and turn it into a cafe racer. Now that is oh. a cool city bike. That would be very You cool. heard it here first. Every, people are obviously thinking it. I, I would assume so because it seems obvious to me. But that would be fun. Proper clip-ons, round headlight, yeah. fairings removed. It'll be liquid cool, so you have to hide. Maybe you put like a new classic fairing on it. Yes. Make it 90s inspired with some old Kawasaki livery. And then nuts. you've got a modern bike that will be extremely fun around town. That would be very cool. So, so I'm trying to think the last sort of... Gets me excited. Four, yeah, yeah. The last like inline four cafe racer, or what people make an inline four cafe racer, will be like the old CBs. Yeah. The CB 554s and 754s and stuff. Yeah, and they were ages ago. And they, yeah, they're really old. So yeah. this would be, imagine, with that performance as well. Oh, 
I think it's really, really exciting. Now, the other bit of news that was cool was that the KTM 390 Adventure now has spoked rims. Yes. Now, this shouldn't be news because they should have just bought out spoke rims with it in the first place, but it's been around for like five years and it was released with mag wheels. Now, if you've listened to our podcast about what makes a scrambler in yeah. season one, you will hear that, in our opinion, if a bike's going off-road, it can't have mag wheels. Yeah. It's just, they, they, they mix like oil and water. It's just not a thing. So KCM have finally come to their senses. They've put spoke rims on the 390 Adventure and a bike that I think look abominable now looks okay. It does. It does look okay. It, yeah. it, they've, they've taken a step in the right direction by adding the spoke wheels. I've written down, looks quite good for a KCM. And yeah. I think that pretty much no, sums, sums it up. up yeah. Most people just can't get it. They just can't get to terms with the looks of the KCM. So the no. sort of bug front and... Yeah, it's very alien. Yeah, it is weird. But anyway, I think that's really exciting and probably quite a cool bike to have off-road. Yeah, I can imagine so. Last piece of news. It's not really news, but next weekend is the MCN London Motorcycle Show. It is indeed. At the XL. And we're both going. We are both going. We'll be there on behalf of Triumph. So if you will be there, we're not going to be like at the uh, sort of Triumph stall the no. whole day, but we'll be there. So... If you're coming along, drop us a message and uh, we'd love to meet you. Yeah, 100%. We're, um, we're going to be on Friday the 17th. We're going to be there. Yes. Yeah. So and I hope they've got decent bike parking. They must do. Well, you'd hope so. I mean, the XL has, I'm assuming it's got a lot of parking. Around I don't know. Because the last time I went to the XL, when it used to be the Carol Nash motorcycle show, I think I was five. Uh, and a bit of a while ago. So I, so I didn't turn up on bike that time. I think I must have turned up on the DLR. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> Moving on. Moving on. Now, um, as we discuss the days getting longer and the spring sun setting in, we thought with London Motorcycle Show on the horizon, there's no better time to talk about which biking events are going to be happening this riding season. At least we've picked out our top five that we're going to be going to. Yeah, so we, we've compiled a list of the top five events that we'll be going to in chronological order as they approach throughout the year. So the London Mo Motorcycle Show will be the first. And leading on from that, we have the Malay Beach Race. The beach race is one of my favourite events in the calendar. Oh, it's fantastic. It's the first, you know, apart from the London Motorcycle Shows, it's not really a bike event. I mean, in the sense that it is, but it's all just looking around. It's looking around and getting cheap tools. True, true. But the beach race is the first event where it's like everyone comes together, everyone's on their bikes, you actually smell the fuel, you hear the sounds, yeah. and, and it's, and it's real the culture. Atmosphere. The real atmosphere. So... We went to the beach race last summer, didn't we? Yeah, we and that did. was our first one. Yes, and I absolutely loved it. So we we packed up all our kit and we all rode down as a group from London to Margate and we booked a nice little Airbnb by the beach and it was just perfect. We could cruise between the beach and our Airbnb. It was all close, but they've got such a range of stuff going on at the beach race itself. They've got, um, was it called the, the lower deck or the sun deck or something? Yeah, the sun deck. Well, something deck. Something deck. The deck. The deck. And they had a load of restaurants and live music. And the atmosphere was just good. All the bikes. You could see every sort of bike there from tiny Honda monkey bikes through to, you know, Trans Matisse. Really smart builds. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. And also last year was, it felt like the first properly warm day of the year. And that is something that is so special about the beach race because we've all had our hiatus. We've all been hibernating over the winter. Most of us, let's be honest, have been riding, but yeah. some of us secretly haven't, not myself included. 
And so it's amazing to get out to the big skies of Margate, get out onto the beach and, and properly rag the bikes. And, you know, ironically, while we've been trying to preserve them from the uh, road salt, we <laughs> get them nice and clogged with beach salty so, yeah. sand. So, yeah, that's a thing. But um, it gets overlooked because once you're there, you're just like, let's have it. Yeah, you just want to have fun and you just get out there. And once you're on the sand, you completely forget about your bike. You just want to go fast and make noise. You do. So last year was your that was was that the first time you've ever ridden on sand on it was the first time i've ridden on sand so for someone that hasn't ridden on sand before and is considering going to the beach race but is is thinking oh i don't know i haven't ridden on sand could i do it what do you have to say no 100 percent, do yeah. it go for it i think the important thing is to know that you should let your tires down very important well yes and we didn't learn that straight away well we? no so i let my rear tie down a bit thinking okay that'll do and got out on the beach do the sprint and you sort of have this uh, the malay start where you've got your hand on your head you then reach for the clutch drop it into gear and you just launch yourself off the line and my rear end was just fishtailing all over the place and i only really realized later on in the year at the mile once i let my tie down properly how much of a difference it makes makes a huge huge difference because the whole beach race i was just fishtailing yeah and it was uncontrollable but saying that riding on sand in general when it's the sort of wet sand that's just sort of when the tide's gone out wet compacted really easy to ride on yeah it's fine i mean because also when when you're in the moment you've got your you've got your hand on your forehead you've got your right hand on the throttle and you're going vroom, vroom, and you're blipping it and you're waiting for the flag to drop all that's going through your body is adrenaline yeah you're not thinking oh i shouldn't be riding on sand and you just give it the beans and the thing with sand is like as long as your weight's back and you're on the gas yeah there's no issue yeah so just the two things to take away from it, i suppose is tire pressures and keeping your weight at the back of the bike so you've got minimal weight on the front wheel yeah what a what a fantastic event brilliant during the day number one piece of advice if it's anything like last year is bring sun cream yes because it got very hot there was no shade i mean there was like no. one tiny tent where the water bottles were i think we all got burnt and we all got burnt so yeah bring sun cream or like some kind of umbrella or somewhere yeah, to shade or definitely. someone to come along with you and hold an umbrella yeah <laughs> Yeah, but we're, we're looking forward to that. There's a fantastic... They rent out a bar in the evenings on the Saturday night. There's a pre-party. There's a party on the Saturday night. It's just really good fun. Loads of beers, dancing. Yeah. Good vibes all around. Now, once the beach race is done and you have ridden back to London or wherever you live and you've washed the bike down because it's a real thing. On your way home, you see the, the white salt dry yeah. on your engine casing and around your rims... And you think, oh, I better get this yeah. washed off. The bike ASAP. just gets eaten. Yeah. And sand gets into every last little bit of it, especially these finned air cooled engines. Oh, it's everywhere. So once you've cleaned your bike, the next weekend after the beach race is the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. Yes. Now, you'll find this will be happening on Sunday, the 21st of May. They haven't released yet, as far as I'm aware, where it's starting or exactly who's hosting it i know that triumph is sponsoring it head and helmets are sponsoring yeah. it but i think they're regulars yeah but they don't release that much information prior no. to the event and last year it was actually quite classic because the beach race and the dgr were happening on the same weekend so jed and i were considering riding down to margate doing the beach race and then going out on the saturday night and then waking up first thing in the morning and riding back to london for the dgr on the sunday morning Needless to say, we stayed down at the beach. And I'm glad we did because uh, yeah. it was a fantastic weekend and to have the extra day of racing on the beach was just much better than getting up early and riding back up to London. 100%. And anyway, the event organisers 
have obviously compared notes this year and yes. put them on two different weekends. So thanks whoever organised that because uh, seemed obvious, but uh, it's great. So the DGR, I haven't actually done it before. Have you? Neither have I. I no. haven't done it. So it's quite bad journalism from us because <laughs> we can't actually say yeah. that much about it. But we did plan to go to it last year. We, we did. Just didn't. We planned quite a bit. I had my suit all ready to go, and yeah, I was ready to yeah, ready to hit the road. Basically, it's. A, ride, a massive ride around London with loads of bikes and everyone's wearing really smart clothes. Yeah, pretty much. And it's all about raising money for men's mental health. It's all good. Yeah. Nothing bad about it. They There's there's a location, there's always a starting location, whether it's like the bike shed or last year, I believe it was in Richmond Park, which is slightly rogue. Yeah. And they only release that like the night before. So it's like an undisclosed location until 24 hours before. Yeah, it's really good. And so, I think uh, we'll be hitting that up. Yeah, this year, 100%. yeah, we'll de- we'll definitely be there and looking forward to it. So, um, don't bring. I've, someone once told me if you've got a bike that's unreliable, just don't bring it because it, it'll break down. It's just it's just more aggravation than you you need. Yeah. So if you've got a bike that's starts on the bus and then that's the one to take. Yeah. As long yeah. as you're good for the day, then happy days. Yeah. So following on from that, we then have the bike shed show. Now, am I right in thinking that is literally the next weekend? It is, yeah. It's the next weekend. It is. Now, May is a busy month <laughs> for biking. Really Every weekend, if yeah, just so you know, your May needs to be fully carved out for biking events because there's one every single weekend of May. Yeah, and that's really good. May is going to... It's just the way to kick off the biking season, isn't it? Now, so I haven't actually been to the Bike Shed show before. I, I, It's a shame because it's one that I know you love. Yeah. I couldn't go last summer because, yet again, the event organisers had an overlap and I was at the Isle of Man TT, and but Jed was yeah. down reporting from Tobacco Docks at the show. Tell us about it. So, the Bike Shed Show. We got up as a group, went there relatively early, and if you are early enough, they do have some covered parking that you can use for your bike, which is all good. If not, they sort of line up the bikes on the street, which is also quite good, because when you're leaving, you can see everyone's bikes you've ridden mm-hmm. in. Anyway, the venue's incredible. It's, how can I explain it? Well, it's, the, it's tobacco docks it's in East London, docks. isn't it? It used to be a, a, a docks for shipping tobacco. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> My detective skills. Um, anyway. What a great podcast. This is just riveting. So, <laughs> so you sort of go in, you queue up, your anticipation's building as to what you're going to see, and it's all sort of segmented off into different areas. So the first area you walked into is like Dakar bikes, but they had everything like real Dakar bikes that had actually ridden the event through to custom bikes. Like a, there was a... Um, like a 70s Husky with a uh, a modern Yamaha WR250 engine in it, or something like that. And it's just, just some crazy builds. But then you've got the, the real high-end custom stuff bespoke where it's you can tell it's more of a piece of art than something that's supposed to be ridden. So you have that real diversity of bikes. Everything to see from... They've got Shed Row, which is all people's bikes they've built in their sheds or in their garages at home, um, which some of them... Are, well, considering it's built in a garage, it's actually quite astounding. Some of the technology, I remember seeing a supercharged BMW R100, which was nuts. They had sort of, so you've got the boxer engine, and then you've got that space above the engine, sort of below the tank, and the supercharger was mounted like in line on top of the engine. Wow. Really crazy build. Um, and is there good food there? Oh, the food's fantastic. So I think the bike should have just picked out, they've almost gone off the morals that they have in their restaurant of providing like good quality food for people instead of just your typical chip butty van you actually get good quality food. and there's a huge selection they've got everything curries and hot dogs and burgers and you name it it's there um 
So the food was great, the atmosphere was great, and then they've also got a range of different things to, you've got all the gear manufacturers that are there um, displaying the latest products. There's um, live music, they even have cinema screenings there, so they have some movies going. If you feel like taking a break midway through the show and watching a bit of a movie, you can do that. And um, So there's basically loads to do throughout There's the loads to do, you can even get a tattoo while you're there. Oh, well, perfect. Yeah. So, so there's bit, something for everyone. Now... The next weekend, and this is not technically like an event that's happening over a weekend per se, but we're certainly going to it and we can't not mention it. No, it's got to be mentioned. And that is the Isle of Man TT. I'm very excited for this. From going on what you told me from last year. Yeah, I mean, it is a brilliant event. I Last year, I went for practice week. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's actually a two-week thing. So you've got qualifying week and then you've got race week. So you were just there for practice week? Yeah, but practice week is still fantastic. Like, if anyone wants to go, I would say there is no shame in just going for practice week. Yeah. The riding is still fantastic. One of the massive pros of practice week that no one tells you about is that racing, I say racing, practicing, only starts at 6 p.m. So really? you have, yeah, so they only practice in the evenings. So you have the whole day to ride the track and explore the island. That's brilliant. And then you watch the racing in the evening when so you, you don't want to be out riding anyway. Yeah, you get a bit of both. Yeah, exactly. So one thing that's really cool is that when they're not racing, the track is literally open and you can use it. That is fun, but potentially dangerous. It's really dangerous. I mean, so for anyone that doesn't know, on the Isle of Man, when you see the national speed limit sign, that means unrestricted. You can just ride as fast as you want. Yeah, so I think it's the only place in the UK where... When you see that sign, it means unrestricted. Everywhere else, it means 60 miles an hour or yeah. 70 miles an hour if you're on a motorway. So that's pretty exciting. And so what that means is that the mountain section, which is of the 37.5 mile course, yeah. that is the TT, I think it's like the last 50, 10, 15 miles. Mm. And you have something called, they have Ramsey hairpin, which is like literally a hairpin turn at the end of Ramsey. And then boosh, you're up onto the mountain. And it's just and straight, flat out. Yeah, pretty much. You have a few pretty cool corners, and when you're going fast enough, it's like that's a proper corner. Yeah. And from that point during practice week, it's one way. So you've got two lanes just going one way, and it's everything's unrestricted. So that's as the course is. I cannot wait. And you've got regular cars, regular bikes, Joe Public on there. So you've got some people that have come over in Lamborghini Aventadors and McLarens and they're giving it the beans. You've got people on, most people on bikes giving yeah. it the beans. You've got also the general public just using the road as a road. Wow. So it's it's quite it's quite an amazing experience. They have, you have a week of qualifying and then over the weekend, the Sunday is known as Mad Sunday. Yeah. Now, previously it was called that because I believe the whole track was open really? as a free-for-all. Now, <laughs> I could be wrong in this, but anyway, it makes a good story. But they they stopped doing that, I think, just because it's too dangerous. Yeah, because dangerous people anyway. people had to get about their lives. Like you forget that the people on the island still just live there and have jobs to work. Yeah, they could be going to the supermarket. Yeah, they could be going to the supermarket, and then like it's in a town, and people are flying past. So I don't know how that was ever allowed, if it was. But it's intense. So anyway, this this week, um, this year, we're heading up for the end of practice week, the weekend of mad racing. Yeah. and riding and then a bit of race week so it's set to be awesome i'm really excited i had a wonderful time last year and i always say even if you're not interested in bikes cars or motoring go yeah the atmosphere must just be unreal electric yeah. it's definitely the most exhilarating crazy event on the planet yeah 
I, I, I can't think of anything that's more crazy. Well, I, um, I for one, can't wait. Great. See you there. See you there. So, leading on from the TT, we have our final event of the calendar for now and the last of our top five. And I, I almost should think we should put this one as number one because this is a really good event. This is, of course, the Malay Mile, which is from the 20th to the 23rd of July. July. What an event. My first mile this year. And last it blew year. me away. Last year, sorry. It blew me away. It absolutely blew me away. And, um, you know, you get there. For me, anyway, I didn't know what to expect. I'd only just seen sort of the promo videos and people's photos from the year before. And I was just, yeah, blown away. It's it's an amazing event. I mean, the guys at Mali, they, they know how to do a festival. They know how to do an event because they're relaxed by nature anyway. And the atmosphere of the festivals just reflect that. Yeah, they know exactly what people want. So we arrived on the Thursday, which was the first day. And it was sort of a, an afternoon, evening arrival. And we got there, set up our camp. You can have a few options of stay, if you like. Um, they offer bell tents, which is your sort of top tier of camping for the event which are very nice um you then have your sort of campsite where you can pitch tents and whatever and then you have like moto camping which is for people with camper vans vans motorhomes etc um so we were in, in the mix of the moto camping i believe but we were all sort of in tents and it was great we sort of made our little camp circle of tents um all the bikes parked up and what was the first thing we did on the thursday well, when we arrived. I think after arrived, well. Well, we'd sort of donuts in the field. Oh, it was great. The you, deer, there was a deer that came out of the woods and sort of got petted by everyone like it was a, a dog. Every Malay event is different, but it's so characterful. Uh, you, you know, you set up your tent. It's just good vibes from the start. People are handing out beers. You've got the p- people next to you have started a barbecue. They're handing you fresh meat. And it's just like... Yeah, it was good. It's just fantastic. And also, it's probably the only festival in the world where... If you need anything, you go by bike. Yeah, you need to go to the toilet, you get on your bike and you go. You need a shower, you go on your bike, you need something to eat, you know. An excuse, doesn't matter what time it is, you get on your bike and you commute there. Yeah, exactly. At half past six in the morning, you need a wee, you get on your bike and head down to the toilet. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Now, the racing there is very similar in its format to the beach race. Yes, just with more variations. And on grass. And on grass. So... It's really good fun. If you've done the beach race before, you know exactly what to expect. It's basically the same. It's all a Malay start, hand on the forehead, flag drops, off you go. And it's extremely fun. The only thing that is worth bearing in mind if you haven't been to a Malay event before is that they have this thing. It's a sort of self-determined uh, bit of terminology, which is they call it Malay mean time. Yeah. And it basically means everything runs about two hours late. Yeah. And it just, there's no other way of putting it. It's like... If you if you expect it to be like an enduro sort of hare and hounds event where everything's done on a time card and yeah. it's all like like a Swiss watch, like just you've got to be chilled about it. And so it's one of those events where sometimes even the marshals don't quite know what's going on, but that adds to its character. And so no, all it means is that if it says your race is in an hour, go and get a beer, go and get a drink. Yeah, chill out under a tree. Yeah, chill out under a tree. Don't wait by your bike, even though they say that's what you should do. Yeah, because we, um, so every day they kick off the day with a, a scramble and it's a 10 kilometer route that sort of goes through uh, Grimsworth Castle, which is the grounds in which they host the event. And it's a really great thing just to kick off your day and get on the bike and almost get warmed up for the rest of the day. 
and you do the scramble and then the end of the scramble comes out into like the, the pits essentially where people start stacking up for each different race event because you've got so many different classes of bike same as the beach race and then you've got the different types of racing so they have the sprint which is a, a straight quarter mile i believe yeah just a drag race just a drag race um then you've got the hill climb you've then got the malay 500 yes the malay 500 which is like a it's like a, almost like a flat circuit it has like left, a right left yeah. right kind of thing and a le mans starts so you like a running start your bike's running you run over to it jump on and you, away you go and then it's five people per race yeah about that something like that yeah really good fun and um and then towards the evening they have some other they have like the, the midnight mile which was an electric bike hill climb quite yeah. interesting to watch yeah it's really good fun and then they have got live music although it does depend on your music taste like i'm not i'm not sold on the music at the malay events no i'm the live music i'm not sold on like i have everything positive to say about them apart from the music and i often say like, i wish they would just do like have some tribute bands or something just playing tunes that everyone knows yeah. whereas they do they they get some like good bands on but it's just not the genre that like everyone can dance to yeah but one thing they do have is a di- is a dj and a dj tent and that is really good fun yeah so they've catered to the majority of two crowds i suppose yeah so you've got the live music bands who were really enjoying the live music by the looks of it but yeah. then they also have the dj tent which is where i think a lot of people ended up into the early hours of the following morning um, indeed coming out of a bush at 6am <laughs> looking for their tent and their bike keys yeah. it is a bit well, like that but that that's just that's fun and that's what festivals are all about yeah and i mean when you're there everything is just so chilled they had the the morning swim in the lake did you ever do that i didn't but did you do that you did didn't you no again it's poor journalism but we can they they do have it it's, if you want to do it yeah. it's a thing but i you always say you'll do it and then when you're actually there and you wake up in the morning like uh, it's never a thing no so but, but yeah it's it's good it's on the promo sheet and um the food they've got there again like almost like the uh, the beach race the food's brilliant the food's really good you've got burger vans and you've got you've got italian you've got mexican you've got a whole mix of barbecue and there's just everything for everyone yeah um, stunning and they ha- and then the other thing to mention is that they've got the kind of the kind of heart and soul of it is this thing i think they call it like the malay metropolis yeah and that's basically where the stage is they've got uh, b- uh kind of bike manufacturers as well as bikes on display generally and other sorts of um Cars they're not really like vendors but they're people they're not selling you stuff but they're there's there's just loads of stuff to look yeah. at yeah so loads of stuff to look at and they had the uh the wall of death yes which we never did saw. you did you go to I that didn't see it. i didn't no again poor journalism but we we it's there <laughs> it's there we'll we, be going yeah. this year we saw so. it from the outside yeah but um, it goes without saying, but obviously we're going to be there. We'd love to meet you if you're coming. Let us know if you are coming. Message us on Instagram yeah. and let us know what bike you'll be racing. Yeah, that'll be interesting. And maybe we can discuss, see what see what people are going to be riding. And it could be quite interesting. Because there's quite a variation. I mean, even in the Bit campsite, there yeah. was sort of a racetrack that got formed in the campsite around a few trees. And some of the bikes came out of the woodwork were just crazy. Am I right in thinking you tried to partake in that but had to stop? I did because I uh, took the front end of my bike oh. and happened to bend my shift lever and thankfully was saved by a really kind person and everyone there is willing to help you out, which is great. And he had a bike that he wasn't going to be using because the tyre had blown or something. So he had a spare shift lever and we managed to get to fit my Triumph. So it saved me for the rest of the weekend, which and, was fantastic. And the ride home. And the ride home because I'd ridden all the way from London. 
Yeah, I think that just sums up the melee events perfectly. Like, that's how friendly everyone is. You know, if you have a problem with your bike, people are just running to find parts and yeah. tools, and you know they want to fix Everyone's it. Everyone's helpful, and everyone everyone wants everyone else to have a good time. Yeah, no, it's awesome. So yeah, whenever the melee mile's done and you've got kind of dust around your face, you around like blues, don't oh, you? Malay blues. You got to go home. You got to have three or four showers before the dust <laughs> is gone. You got to wash your bike five or six times. And it's still got salt on it from the beach race. It's I just, still have melee dust in my bike. Yeah, I, it's actually interesting you say that. I, I thought mine was completely clean. And then this morning, I went to take a pillion on my bike and I bent down the pillion pegs and they were both just no. light brown from Malay mud. <laughs> and I was like, what? So, yeah, you, when you, if you think you've washed everything off, you haven't. Yeah. Now, engine guessing game. Yes. Should we do it? The first one of season two. Indeed. I hope you've picked an interesting bike. So I have. Mine is quite obscure. Okay. Oh, okay. But I think you're going to like it. So. Okay, quickly tell me, has it got an aftermarket exhaust? It has an aftermarket exhaust. Okay. okay. Let's, let's have it. Are you ready? Yeah, Here I'm, we go. I'm ready. Thank you for that. Um, sort of extreme rev limiter hit after second gear. <laughs> yeah. you can hear. Okay, so it, it sounds like a single. It is a single, yeah. It's a single. Okay, good. Now, on from that, there's, there's kind of there's not that much to work with. I think it's it's a i think it's a small capacity single it is a small capacity single. okay okay yeah. good because it's not like it doesn't sound like a sort of 700 cc thumper it just sounds like a little sort of three or four hundred cc so i can help narrow it down okay for you. okay yeah go on. so it's a one two five cc single <sighs> okay so one two five great i knew <laughs> it was a small capacity i don't think it was that small uh okay it's a one two five is it is it japanese it is japanese is it the is it is it like the Yamaha MT one two five? It's not. Okay. Uh, remember, I said it's quite obscure. Oh, it's quite. Oh, it's quite obscure. Oh yeah, you know, you did say that. Okay, it's quite obscure and it's Japanese and it's a one two five. It's a single, obviously. Um, could it be a Kawasaki? It could. Could it be a Suzuki? It could. It could be a Honda. It could be a Honda. It could be a Honda. What one two five? Okay. Is it a Honda Grom? Close. Wait, Honda Monkey. <laughs> it's, it's a, a monkey. Honda Monkey. It's a Honda hey. Monkey. Oh, okay. Yeah, very oh, obscure bike. Oh, okay. I'm thrilled to get that because I, I, I really wasn't confident when I was listening to that. No, something a bit different. Okay, it's a Honda Monkey. Okay, chuffed. I'm really chuffed with that. Okay, are you ready for yours? Let's hear it. Now, this has an aftermarket exhaust on it. Okay. It has... Uh, a tech bike parts exhaust on it oh interesting so let me know what you think let's hear it what do you think so definitely a twin yep so my my top two guesses just by going so I've managed to narrow it down in my head because of the tech bike parts catalogue. Oh, what they cater okay, for. clever, clever. So 
it, it could be an interceptor. Yes, it is. It's an interceptor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Happy days. Fair enough. Good effort. I think you gave it away with the tech. If you just said to me an off-market exhaust, I would have been guessing for a little bit longer. Okay, fair enough. Well, I still think that's a really good guess. It sounds a lot like a Triumph Scrambler as well. It does, it does. But this is one of the things, like, that Royal Enfield 650 engine yeah. is a peach. Okay, I've never ridden one, but when you take those awful end cans yeah. off, they sound incredible. brilliant. And they've yeah. got, I don't know if they've got a 270 degree crank, yeah. but they I must They is. must do. So I've ridden one. Oh, yeah. When? I've, I've ridden, um, when was it? End of last summer. Oh, right. Good effort. And uh, quite pokey. Really? It's, yeah. Com- compared to my Bonnie, there's not much in it. Wow. Oh, because it's much lighter. It's it's lighter. It's a shorter wheelbase. Um, I think they're really cool bikes. And, and it's really smooth and it sounds great. It yeah. sounds really good. I, I would, I mean, I'm going out on a whim here. I, I would strongly consider having one in London. No, so would I. I would have to trade out my Scrambler. You couldn't have two. They're, 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 both, they're too similar. Yeah. But I think they're really cool. And I don't really think... I would argue our bikes have almost got too much power for London. Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. I would agree. Like, sometimes if you really want to give it the beans, like, in second gear, you're flying along. Yeah. No, I think the Intercept is a good in-between. And I also think that for the price that they sell for, it's a really affordable option. Yeah, and fantastic. And the amount of aftermarket parts as well. Motone cater loads to them. Yeah. Um, oh, they do. So you can actually make a really tidy looking bike from one. Yeah. I think, I agree. I think if you're going to buy one, you have to customise it. They look just a little bit too classic for me. Yeah. Uh, um, classic in the sense that... They've like, gone for like the stereotype of a classic yeah, bike. Exactly. Yeah. Now, Q&A. Q&A. Let's see what questions we've got from you guys. So let's kick it off with Lewis Hayes, who is asking, thoughts on cruiser bikes? Could you own one living in a city? Yeah, it's a good question, actually. Um, I think you could. I think you just have to realise that you're going to have to compromise on some of the manoeuvrability that you might have from a different bike yeah. and how well you can filter and stuff, depending on what type of bars you've got and your seating position. Like, if you're sitting on top of the bike, like with our style of bike or a normal upright bike, it's much easier to control and manoeuvre around traffic. Whereas if you're sitting back in a cruiser bike with sort of front sets... Yeah, forwards. Forward sets, yeah. Um it's quite a tricky position. It's definitely okay for the motorway and for long journeys, much more comfortable. But for around, yeah, you just have to take that in yeah. on board. Yeah. yeah. But no, I think you could do it. If you want to do it, you could do it. Yeah. Happy days. 100%. Okay, so I've got a good one here. Um, tips to clean the bikes. Oh, that is a good question. Tips on cleaning a bike. Well, I would say the number one thing that is the most underrated, but also the most important, is get yourself a paddock stand. 100%. It took me years to learn this. And you had <laughs> raved about paddock stands. I said, no, mate, don't worry. You don't need paddock stand. And then I got one and it's changed the game. It's a game changer. It's just so much easier to clean. I would say if you can have, if you've got a garage and stuff, get front and rear paddock stands. So you yeah. can have both wheels off the ground. But if you're out on the street and you've got a lack of space, then just get a rear one. They, the being able to turn and rotate that rear wheel just for maintenance as well. Oh, it's perfect. Because for me, I've now got a really clear sequence. It's like, blast the bike with water not like high pressure water because it can like ruin it but yeah. blast it with water get it soaking wet spray a whole bunch of um soapy whatever product you choose to use there's loads out there yeah uh, we won't mention one unless they want to sponsor us and <laughs> um, spray it down another rinse scrub it and agitate the dirt if you have to yeah like around the fins and especially if you've been off-roading in it 
in which case it needs a far deeper clean but just generally like with the road grime it's worth having like a an old toothbrush or uh, even a paintbrush you yeah. know something where you, you can, can get some of those from halfords they do like um uh nylon wheel brushes yeah which perfect. are perfect for between the spokes and yes. around the rim yeah yeah so agitate that dirt rinse it off and but another tip is clean the chain before you clean the bike yes because when you're spraying that chain cleaner on you'll find that you're spinning the wheel and you're spraying and it all starts dripping down onto the rims and onto the tire and it's just oh. it's messy so yeah. yeah and you basically have to rewash the bike if you wait and do it afterwards yeah and then do that after you've ridden because your chain expands after you've ridden and it's warm so when you spray the cleaner in it gets in all the crevices in the chain and gives a more thorough clean oh, this is just amazing advice okay that's how you clean a bike and uh good luck with it do it as regularly as possible i always say it's less about how you clean it and more about how often you do it yeah i can agree with that and um well having said that i don't know being thorough is also really important and also spray it with acf 50 afterwards whether yeah. it's summer or winter give it that protection yeah give it some sort of wind protection because the salt is ruthless and it would just eat your bike okay question for you brown seats yes or no that's from finest designs brown seats yes or no okay that's quite. I think finest designs always has the best questions. No, they're great questions. So, I think it really depends on the bike. But for yeah. me, personally, eighty percent of the time I'm going to go for a black seat. Yeah. Just because I feel like it goes better with what I wear, the color scheme of my bike, or of bikes that I would choose. Yeah. Um, I just don't feel like unless it's like a really deep brown. Yeah. Um, I think black's my go-to choice. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I'm going to go a step further and say, I, I think that a brown seat only works with a bike that has a green tank. Really? Yeah, because yeah, I can't... True, well, I just can't think of many others. Like, sometimes you'll see, like, a street scrambler and it will have a, a black tank and a brown seat. And mm. it looks okay, but I think often the green and the brown work really well together. Or um, off-white. Off-white and brown. Yes, That's okay, not true. too bad. True, true, true. Okay, so basically, yes, it does work sometimes, but it's just... It's personal preference. It's personal preference, yes. Yeah. Whatever you like at the end of the day. And for me, it's just going to be black leather because yeah. that's what I like. Happy days. So, let's see. I've got... Know any good customizers for my Interceptor? Need some bits doing to my bike. Yeah, perfect. Um, appropriately, Motone. Yeah, Motone. Yeah. If you need your parts and stuff, um, for the small bits that you can do at home, they've just got everything and it's all well. They give you instructions and it's all well documented and it's next day shipping. And yeah, they have everything for everyone essentially there's always gonna be something you like 100 percent. and if you bought yourself an in interceptor get rid of all those reflectors get rid of those massive indicators tail tidy tail tidy just clean the thing up so yeah. uh yeah and you're and you've got a really cool bike so yeah awesome now chad here's one uh that's quite interesting what are the crucial differences between the scrambler 900 and the street scrambler now, you can also say that this is for any, basically, air-cooled versus liquid-cooled bonnies. So that's anything up to, yeah, basically, between 2000 and 2009 to 2009 onwards. Yeah, so, Scrambler 900 EFI, fuel-injected, air-cooled, and the Street Scrambler, also 900, yeah. but liquid-cooled. Is it liquid-cooled? It yeah. is liquid-cooled. Yeah, yeah. So, differences. I mean, aesthetically, I prefer the air-cooled scrambler yeah me too um don't get me wrong the street scrambler is a nice bike but it it's got the name street scrambler it looks more street yeah. than scrambler yeah. whereas the scrambler 900 looks more scrambler than street yeah if that yeah, is yeah, even yeah. a thing yeah related to like the kind of the, the nostalgia of it as, as yeah as well. yeah yeah um 
they just put more of a modern twist, I would say, on the Street Scrambler. The styling of the seat and the tank and the speedos and everything is just a lot more modern looking. And it doesn't sort of hark back to those days gone by of classic triumphs and old school racing and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, for me, I prefer the EFI, personally. Yeah. I mean, the couple of comments that I'd make on it is that I think the EFIs are easier to customise as a base. Yes. I think you have to do more to the to the liquid-cooled newer models to make them look really unique. Yeah. Than you I do agree. with the with with the with the air cooled ones. And then going back a step further, the carbed scramblers yep. and Bonnevilles are even easier to oh, modify. Hundred percent. Because you've got no ECU that, to, that plays a part. So yeah, whatever parts you like, you just fit as long as you can get the work done or do the work yourself. The only area that I think the liquid cools win for me is in their just day to day practicality. Yeah, 100%. the fact that the there's something about it. So my Scrambler 900, despite being 2013 and being fuel injected, behaves a lot like a carb bike. It, it has a choke. I don't quite know how the choke works because it's EFI, but it's still got a choke knob. And if it's cold or if the bike is cold, it just won't start without the choke yeah. unless you're giving it revs. And it's just, it splutters. It only really likes to run when it's warm. Whereas, whereas these these newer liquid cool bikes, they just start and they never backfire. They never miss a beat. They're just just smooth pure yeah yeah they're very smooth all the way through as soon as you get on it even when it's freezing cold that bike will be smooth like my carb bike yeah i fire it up in the morning chokes out and i have to ride it for sort of five minutes or so yeah. with the choke and as i'm riding i'm slowly feeding the choke back in um and by the time i get to wherever i'm going it's it's warmed up and it's nice and smooth but yeah it's it's sort of juddery and cold and spluttery and yeah doesn't like the cold but yeah these these liquid cool bikes are, are great for every day i yeah. would say 100 percent and the last thing I'd mention is that I get a lot of messages from people saying, well, do I buy an old Bonnie, like a 2010 one, or do I get a new one? And I say, well, the old ones, they're not old. Like, no. they're still really capable bikes and ultra-reliable. Yours has done approaching oh, 100,000 yeah. miles. <laughs> you know, if that's not enough for you... Well, it's a testament to how good they are. Yeah. So, so yeah. I think, yeah, go with whichever one you prefer and you'll love it. Yeah. Great answer. Yeah. Cool. I think that just about does it. Thanks for joining us for episode one. Yeah, episode one of season two. It's been a bit of a longer one, but we had loads to get through and we will be back next week with something very exciting. Yes, so definitely tune in for episode two. Cheers. Bye.